life out for the very disquietness of his heart. Then it does. Well, that's very interesting. That when you're when you're criticized or not complimented, that's a good invitation to realize you don't need that from people, but you turn to God. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean to turn to God? that you don't deserve any personal credit for anything that the flow is responsible for everything mm -hmm. yeah, that's so the temptation is to to protect your ego and what he's saying is you don't need to protect your ego mm. anything else? no he groweth weary of life would fain depart and be with Christ. By all this he is taught that in the world there can be no perfect security or fullness of peace. Chapter 13. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, in this world, in the, in the interpersonal world, there can be no fullness of peace. If you get complimented, you're in trouble. And if you get criticized, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. If you take it personally, that is. Mm -hmm. What? Any other thoughts? No. Resisting temptation. <clears throat> so long as we live in the world, we cannot be without trouble and trial. Wherefore, it is written in Job... The life of man upon the earth is a trial. Job 7, verse 1. And therefore ought each of us to give heed concerning trials and temptations, and watch unto prayer, lest the devil find occasion to deceive. For he never sleepeth, but goeth about <coughs> seeking whom he may devour. No man is so perfect in holiness that he hath never temptations, nor can he ever be wholly free from them. Yet, notwithstanding... It does. Yeah, in this world, you're going to get bad calls. <laughs> Just the nature. Yeah. And it does it. What about the idea that, that no man's free of temptations? Yeah. You're always going to be tempted to, to protect and promote your ego. That's true, huh? Yeah. But is that a beneficial thing in, in many ways, or? Yeah. So you re so you realize you can't win at that. But you can win certain. You know, it's magnificent as accomplishments, right? Well, you can't win. You can't win at it. It always lets you down. Yeah. But the flow, yeah, the flow definitely you blesses you. You know? Yeah. yeah. Any thoughts? No. Temptations turn greatly unto our profit, even though they be great and hard to bear. For through them we are humbled, purified, instructed. All saints have passed. Hey, Grandpa, I was uh, doing a, a back massage chair thing. And I hurt my spine. I don't know if I if I chipped it or something. It, it should be okay, right? Because it's been hurt for like two weeks. Any thoughts? Oh uh, no, I, I have no thoughts on that. Yeah, ho hopefully it's okay. Maybe I'll see a doctor at some point. Okay, right? Yeah. Through much tribulation and temptation, and have profited thereby, and they who endured not temptation became reprobate and fell away. There is no position so sacred. <laughs> no place so secret that it is without temptations and adversities. There is no man wholly free from temptations so long as he liveth, because we have the root of temptation within ourselves, in that we are born in concupiscence. One it doesn't? Born in what? Concupis born in what? Concupiscence. Concupiscence. I forget what that means. I don't know either. Does it? 
So, so do you, do you think it's true that like that would be everybody has like sun god worship in them, and that's like desire for knowledge and power and stuff, but that's what keeps evolution going. Yeah, again, that's the ego. See, we're born with the need to strengthen the ego because it's magnificent in its achievements. Yeah. And so there's always going to be a temptation. There's always going to be the temptation to either take credit for it or to uh, promote and protect it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't. But really, it's it's no. God. It's God who gives you the thoughts. It's God who does all that, right? Or... God to give you what? The thoughts and everything, right? No, the ego gives us the thoughts. That's but but isn't isn't uh, the ego also a part of God knowledge. though? No. I thought everything was God. Well, see, the ego is a figment of your imagination. It has no reality. It has no substance. But it does have a reality. I mean, like my body. You know, I, okay, I'm not a body, but it does have a reality, though. It doesn't. Well, the ego doesn't. What about the body? Well, even the body... That one's hard to, to define, but in essence, the body has no substance either. But then, isn't it a part? Isn't it a part of God? Oh, but you're, but you're saying, but 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 to say, okay, so it doesn't exist, but it exists though. Like, but you're still saying that that you, that ego creates a thought, so it exists. But I thought everything was God. It's a, it's a, it's a um, video game that we play in our heads. That's true, huh? Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. But does it help us, or? Yeah. Does it, does, is it, is it, does it help to facilitate survival? Yeah. Well... The conundrum. See, the, an animal doesn't need an ego in order to survive. But it seems like a human needs to go through the process of de developing that in order to um, have survival happen as a byproduct so that you can get into the flow. That's the only. Assurance of survival. Mm. <clears throat> Any other? No. Temptation or sorrow passeth, and another cometh. And always we shall have somewhat to suffer, for we have fallen from perfect happiness. Many who seek to fly from temptations fall yet more deeply into them. By flight alone we cannot overcome, but by endurance and true humility we are made stronger than all our enemies. He who only resisteth outwardly, and pulleth not up by the root, shall profit little. Nay, rather temptations will return to him the more quickly, and will be the more terrible. Little by little, through patience and long-suffering, thou shalt conquer by the help of God, rather than by violence and thine own strength of will. In the midst of temptation, often seek counsel, and deal not hardly with one who is tempted, but comfort and strengthen him, as thou wouldest have done unto thyself. It does? No. I didn't follow all that. You think it's, it's important to like comfort and stuff? Well, it, always I, I, a lot of times I lose my spot when I do that, but yeah. Yeah, never mind. I mean, it doesn't? 
I'll try to I'll try to do it. I just remember thirty five minutes rep. Thirty five minutes. Endurance and true humility, we are made stronger than all our enemies. He who only <clears throat> resisted yeah. outwardly and put what was that? Yeah, by humility, in other words, by recognizing that that survival is a byproduct of the flow. Mm. That's the ultimate humility. Yeah. Yeah, does it? not up by the root, shall profit little. Nay, rather temptations will return to him the more quickly, and will be the more terrible. Little by little, through patience and long-suffering, thou shalt conquer by the help of God, rather than by violence and thine own strength of will. In the midst of temptation, often seek counsel, and deal not hardly with one who is tempted, but comfort and strengthen him, as thou wouldest have done unto thyself. It doesn't? No. You think it's important to comfort and all that? Well, I think he's talking about the comfort that comes from from confidence and trust in the flow. I think that's what he's talking about. But what's wrong with comforting somebody? Well, seeing it comfort in a special relationship that that, that that's uh, that's always fragile it's like a balloon you have to keep it in the air all the time so special keep relationship cultivating is, it. special relationship is self-confirmatory right right the beginning of all temptations to evil is instability of temper and want of trust in god for even as a ship without a helm is tossed about by the waves, so is a man who is careless and infirm of purpose, tempted, now on this side, now on that. As fire testeth iron, so doth temptation the upright man. Oftentimes we know not what strength we have, but temptation revealeth to us what we are. Nevertheless we must watch, especially in the beginnings of temptation, for then is the foe the more easily mastered, when he is not suffered to enter within the mind, but is met outside the door as soon as he hath knocked. Wherefore one saith, Check the beginnings, once thou mightst have cured, but now tis past thy skill, too long hath it endured. For first cometh to the mind the sim- I'm gonna die that. No. ...suggestion, then the strong sh and so, little by little, the enemy entereth in altogether, because he was not resisted at the beginning. And the longer a man delayeth his resistance, the weaker he groweth, and the stronger groweth the enemy against him. Some men suffer their most grievous temptations in the beginning of their conversion, some at the end. Some are sorely tried their whole life long. Some there are who are tempted but lightly, according to the wisdom and justice of the ordering of God who knoweth the character and circumstances of men, and ordereth all things for the welfare of his elect. Therefore we ought not to despair when we are tempted, but the more fervently should cry unto God that he will vouchsafe to help us in all our tribulation, and that he will, as St. Paul said, with the temptation make a way to escape, that we may be able to bear it. First, it does not We think the idea with the temptation make a way to escape. What does that mean? Anything else? So be able to bear it. Well, it just it just makes it more more um, um, <clears throat> it makes it more clear that there's only one 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 way to be protected, and that is in the more tempted you are, the less. Once you begin to understand that, the, the less you're, you're uh, tempted to to uh, to get distracted into protecting or promoting. Wait, can, can you repeat that one? 
the more you're tempted, the more the more important you you realize it is to um, is to is to to keep on the straight and the narrow. So what does it mean that God makes a way out and stuff? He does. Well, that that's it. Stay on the straight and the narrow. What about just like the metaphysical idea that, you know, maybe God, you know, like the universe does, uh, you know, order, organize existence to where it won't be overbearing for you, that you can get out of it. And maybe it is kind of testing you, ain't that's it? Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Well, that's possible, although I think it's improbable. I don't know about that. Like, do you think that gematria is improbable? That what? Gematria. What's that? The the codes in the Bible, through the letters. Oh, I don't know about that. I've never studied that. Yeah, well, I think that you would say that that's unnat, you know, un improbable. But I think that there is metaphysical, supernatural stuff going on. So I don't understand why yeah. that why 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 you would um, be kind of uh, uh, dubious what? of of the idea that the universe that's... might actually organize things in a way that's testing you and stuff, and it does. Well, I've said it many times before because I'm not familiar with that um, with that. Uh, that domain I've never studied nor have I looked for evidence of that so that's a whole domain of possibility of which I'm totally unaware right. which doesn't mean Let us therefore that it doesn't ourselves. exist hmm. under the mighty hand of God in all temptation and trouble for he will save and exalt such as are of an humble spirit in temptations and troubles and hey, no. and is proved what progress he hath made and therein is his reward the greater and his virtue doth the more appear nor is it a great thing if a man be devout and zealous so long as he suffereth no affliction but if he behave himself patiently in the time of adversity then is there hope of great progress some are kept safe from great temptations, but are overtaken in those which are little and common, that the humiliation may teach them not to trust to themselves in great things, being weak in small things. It does? Yeah. Temptation is to keep you humble. Mm -hmm. To keep reminding you that you're not in charge. How so? How does it do that? there's only one protection that's the secret place of the most high the flow mm -hmm. oh wow yeah because if so long as you're involved it's you're gonna fail in the temptation yep mm. yep and it doesn't no chapter 14 on avoiding rash judgment look well unto thyself and beware that thou judge not the doings of others. In judging others, a man laboureth in vain. He often erreth, and easily falleth into sin. But in judging and examining himself, he always laboureth to good purpose. According as a matter toucheth our fancy, so oftentimes do we judge of it. For easily do we fail of true judgment because of our own personal feeling. If God were always the sole object of our desire, we should the less easily be troubled by the erring judgment of our fancy. But often some secret thought lurking within us, or even some outward circumstance, turneth us aside. Many are secretly seeking their own ends in what they do, yet know it not. They seem to live in good peace of mind, so long as things go well with them, and according to their desires. But if their desires be frustrated and broken, Immediately they are shaken and displeased. 
Adversity of feelings and opinions very often brings about dissensions between friends, between countrymen, between religious and godly men. Established custom is not easily relinquished, and no man is very easily led to see with the eyes of another. If thou rest more upon thy own reason or experience than upon the power of Jesus Christ, thy light shall come slowly and hardly. For God... It does. Well, no, that whole thing began, that whole segment began with that very profound idea that the, that the only one you can fully understand or discern uh, is, is yourself looking at your own software or looking, trying, rather than um, it's very, very difficult to be accurate in your discernment of another's faults or software issues. The only way to be an expert is at your own. How come? Well, that's just what he was saying. Well, when you when you know your own, you know others, right? Well, that's the only one that you have any responsibility for. Mm -hmm. Your own. Yeah, you can't really know others, huh? You can make assumptions. Right. Or you can point to a possibility, but that the other person has to come to that awareness on his own. Is it is it possible? You can't point it out. You, what? You can't you can't point point out the truth to the other person. You have to discover the truth for yourself. So if you point it out, like Jesus when he when he with the 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 ministers and the adulteress, he. He pointed out something, but he he knelt and wrote in the sand. He got out of the way, so that, that they had to discover the truth on their own. He couldn't he couldn't teach it to them. Yeah. Any other thoughts? No. Is is it is it possible that um like someone could be acting in predator prey consciousness, but still be uh still be in the flow? Or like top dog underdog, like it might seem like top dog, but he might still be in the flow. Any thoughts? Well, I guess it's possible. I, I would again, I would think that it would be improbable. Mm -hmm. All right. Because because you're you're, you're totally <laughs> enmeshed in the ego when you're predator prey or top dog underdog. It's total self promotion and protection. All right willeth us to be perfectly subject unto himself, and all our reason to be exalted by abundant love towards him. Chapter 15 of Works of Charity <laughs> For no worldly good whatsoever, and for the love of no man, must anything be done which is evil. But for the help of the suffering, a good work must sometimes be postponed, or be changed for a better. For herein a good work is not destroyed, but improved. Without charity, no work profiteth. But whatsoever is done in charity, however small, and of no reputation it be, bringeth forth good fruit. Hey, boss. Yeah, well, he's saying what we've talked about many times. It's not what you do that's benefit, that's of any benefit to another person. But it's only if done in charity or in it's the attitude it's it's the it's the focus on being a beneficial <clears throat> presence rather than a beneficial person mm. that's what it means to do it with charity as a beneficial presence why See, if you do it the beneficial yeah, persons it's self-confirmatory yeah yeah, so, uh, to, so doing something for another person's benefit in order to promote your own ego is of no benefit either to you or to him. Any other thoughts, No. For God verily considereth what a man is able to do more than the greatness of what he doth. 
He doth much who loveth much. He doth much who doth well. He doth well who ministereth to the public good rather than to his own. He doesn't. Yeah, that's the same same principle. You do good to be a beneficial presence rather than for your own um, benefit. Oftentimes that seemeth to be charity, which is rather carnality, because it springeth from natural inclination, self-will, hope of repayment, desire of gain. He who hath true and perfect charity in no wise seeketh his own good, but desireth that God alone be altogether glorified. He envieth none, because he longeth for no selfish joy, nor doth he desire to rejoice in himself, but longeth to be blessed in God as the highest good. He ascribeth good to none. He doesn't? Yeah, same thing. Save to God only, the fountain whence all good proceedeth, and the end, the peace, the joy of all saints. Oh, he who hath but a spark of true charity hath verily learned that all worldly things are full of vanity. Chapter 16 of... Are you done? No. What does that mean all worldly things are full of vanity? Are you done? Yeah, well, just, just what we've been saying. If you do it for your own green gain, that's vanity. Remember the, the three of others. the three deadly for ambition, pride, and vanity. Mm. And does it? <clears throat> no. And why? Why is that so bad? Why is it so deadly? What? I I I couldn't hear you. I hear you talking, but I can't hear what you're saying. I said, I said, why are those so deadly? Vanity and all that. Well, because it's all, it's all embroiled, enslaved in, in the self. Mm -hmm. But it's magnificent in its accomplishments, right? Like vanity? The self? No. No. Mm -hmm. See, if, if you're driven by, by ambition... You're looking for people to uh, to to uh, envy you or to 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 praise you. If you're driven by pride, you're looking for people to praise you. If you're driven by vanity, you're looking for people to praise you. The only way it can be of any benefit is if you don't get the praise you're looking for. And you say, well, wait a minute, maybe there's something wrong here. So then you're <clears throat> invited to look at your software. Looking there rather than wanting to be present in a way that your presence is a benefit, you begin to see that you're just wanting to inflate your own ego. Yeah, but still, the ego is magnificent as accomplishments, right? Or... Yeah, the ego is, but the desire to inflate it isn't. And that doesn't? No. Those things which a man cannot amend in himself or in others. But isn't the desire to inflate it a part of the ego? Hello? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to it, it's hard to make a distinction there. See, the ego is magnificent in its accomplishments in that um, not that you're trying to inflate it or prove that you're better, but because you're, you're developing confidence in your own skills and your own abilities. That's what it means that the ego is magnificent in its accomplishments. See, 
it just it's it's magnificent in just wanting to get better and wanting to 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 fulfill your realize your full potential see that's that's strengthening the ego but inflating it and promoting it doesn't strengthen the ego Wait, wait. It's oh. Yeah. Any other thoughts, sir? No. Not patiently to bear until God shall otherwise ordain. Bethink thee that perhaps it is better for thy trial and patience, without which our merits are but little worth. Maybe it is strengthening it to, to inflate it and stuff. Any thoughts? Well, there's no evidence to, of that. Like if you're insecure, then the inflated might be a compensation and stuff. Uh, but that doesn't strengthen the ego. That only fools you. At least it's not conformity, right? Kanye West, when he's acting all arrogant, at least he's not conforming, right? Well, he, he's probably conforming as to, he's conforming to a way of, of um, <coughs> he's, he's imitating, he's conforming to imitating rebelliousness. seen somebody else be rebellious so he's gonna try the same strategies yeah. Yeah, that's it. No. nevertheless thou oughtest when thou findest such impediments to beseech God that he would vouchsafe to sustain thee that thou be able to bear them with good will if one who is once or twice admonished refuse to hearken strive not with him but commit all to God that his will may be done and his honor be shown in his servants, for he knoweth well how to convert the evil unto good. Endeavor to be patient in bearing with other men's faults and infirmities, whatsoever they be, for thou thyself also hast many things which have need to be borne with by others. If thou canst not make thine own self what thou desireth, how shalt thou be able to fashion another to thine own liking? We are ready to see others made perfect, and yet we do not amend our own shortcomings. Hey, that's... Yeah. It's trying to improve other people rather than to work on upgrading your own software. And what's wrong with that? You uh, can't do it. Hold on one second, grab it. Let me get this phone. We'll go. The freedom of others displeaseth us, but we are dissatisfied that our own wishes shall be denied us. We desire rules to be made restraining others, but by no means will we suffer ourselves to be restrained. Thus, therefore, doth it plainly appear how seldom we weigh our neighbor in the same balance with ourselves. If all men were perfect, what then should we have to suffer from others for God? But now hath God thus ordained that we may learn to bear one another's burdens, because none is without defect none without a burden, none sufficient of himself, none wise enough of himself, but it behoveth us to bear with one another, to comfort one another, to help, instruct, admonish one another. How much strength each man hath is best proved by occasions of adversity, for such occasions do not make a man frail, but show of what temper he is. Chapter 17 Of A Religious Life it doesn't? Well, he was just summarizing what he's basically saying is that you can't you can't help another person improve. Each of us, the only one we can improve our so the only software that we we can improve is our own. And 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 even if you discern something and point it out to another person, that's only inviting them to look at it and and choose on their own whether or not they want to upgrade their software. So that's 
basically I think the essence of that chapter it's a very good chapter yeah. right. I, sh I certainly wish I could I w wish I could have understood that back when I was studying it yeah. I didn't understand all of those subtleties It behoveth thee to learn to mortify thyself in many things, if thou wilt live in amity and concord with other men. It is no small thing to dwell in a religious community or congregation, and to live there without complaint, and therein to remain faithful even unto death. Blessed is he who hath lived a good life in such a body, and brought it to a happy end. If thou wilt stand fast, and wilt profit as thou oughtest, hold thyself as an exile and a pilgrim upon the earth. Thou wilt have to be counted as a fool for Christ, if thou wilt lead a religious life. The clothing and outward appearance are of small account. It does it? Yeah, when he's talking about the religious life, not in the sense of being religious. Yeah, does it? But in terms of in terms of being in the flow, I, I guess. But, but he, he hasn't to, said what it is. About, you have to be foolish or something, like foolish for Christ, and he doesn't. Yeah, you got to look like you're a fool if you don't, if you don't bow down and worship uh, dualistic strategies. Mm. Yeah. But I think a lot of people interpret it as like you want to be a Jesus freak, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's probably how I interpreted it when I studied it back in school. But is that the idea, though, too, maybe of, you know, it's better to be hot or cold than lukewarm? Well, yeah, yeah. So maybe he is talking about being like a Jesus freak. I don't think so. Like a fool for Christ or something. It is change of character and entire mortification of the affections, which make a truly religious man. He who seeketh aught, save God, and the health of his soul, shall find only tribulation and sorrow. Nor can he stand long in peace, who striveth not to be least of all, and servant of all. Thou art called to endure, and to labour, not to a life of ease and trifling talk. Here, therefore, are men tried as gold in the furnace. No man can stand, unless with all his heart he will humble himself for God's sake. Chapter 18 of the Example of the Holy Fun. It does it? Yeah, to humble yourself for God's sake. In other words, to humble yourself in order to be caught up in the flow. Yeah, not for your sake, huh? Right. Others. Consider now the lively examples of the Holy Fathers, in whom shone forth real perfectness and religion, and thou shalt see how little, even as nothing, is all that we do. Ah, what is our life when compared to theirs? They, saints and friends of Christ as they were, served the Lord in hunger and thirst, in cold and nakedness, in labor and weariness, in watchings and fastings, in prayer and holy meditations, in persecutions and much rebuke. Oh, how many and grievous tribulations did the apostles, martyrs, confessors, virgins endure, and all others who would walk in the footsteps of Christ. For they hated their souls in this world, that they might keep them unto life eternal. Oh, how strict and retired a life was that of the Holy Fathers, who dwelt in the desert! What long and grievous temptations they did suffer! How often were they assaulted by the enemy! What frequent and fervid prayers did they offer unto God! What strict fasts did they endure! What fervent zeal and desire after spiritual profit did they manifest! How bravely did they fight, that their vices might not gain the mastery! How entirely and steadfastly did they reach after God! By day they laboured, and at night they gave themselves oft-times unto prayer. Yea, even when they were labouring, they ceased not from mental prayer. They spent their whole time profitably. Every it does it? 
Every hour seemed short for retirement with God, and through the great sweetness of contemplation, even the need of bodily refreshment was forgotten. They renounced all riches, dignities, honors, friends, kinsmen. They desired nothing from the world. They ate the bare necessaries of life. They were unwilling to minister to the body, even in necessity. Thus they were poor in earthly things, but rich above measure in grace and virtue. Though poor to the out... So I mean, yeah, you could you could deny the body and stuff, but that could also be self-confirmatory, right? Yeah. Well, again, it's not denying the body; it's it's allowing the body just to be the body, and and not paying uh, attention to but it. Then, didn't he say something about like forsaking stuff from the body or whatever? I forget the word he used. Let me back up just a little bit. He said 50, 55 or 5055. For they hated their souls in this world, that they might keep them unto life eternal. Oh, how strict and retired a life was that of the Holy Fathers who dwelt in the desert. What long and grievous temptations they did suffer. How often were they assaulted by the enemy. What frequent and fervid prayers did they offer unto God? What strict fasts did they endure? What fervent zeal and desire after spiritual profit did they manifest? How bravely did they fight that their vices might not gain the mastery? How entirely and steadfastly did they reach after God? By day they labored, and at night they gave themselves oftentimes unto prayer. Yea, even when they were laboring they ceased not from mental prayer. They spent their whole time profitably. Every hour seemed... It does. Yeah, see, again, uh, that can so easily be misinterpreted by... by... Uh, in, in term, thinking that to, to deny it or to deny the body or to... I forget the other word he used. Um... See, that can be easily be mistaken and misunderstood in order to support the ego. Look how humble I am. Uh, yeah, and he doesn't? Is that what he did there or no? No. No, I'm just saying that that, that kind of thing can be so easily misinterpreted. But, but, but did he say that, though? What did he say? I didn't catch it really. About the body. Well, he, 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 just, he just basically was saying your body is none of your business. You got more important business. But it is your business, like, you know, you eat healthy and stuff, but you're saying if you're, like, in, in the flow, then you automatically eat healthy or what? Yeah. But, see, again, early in life, you need to take responsibility for your body and for exercising and eating right you need see, that's all a part of strengthening the ego but not in order to be superior it's just to be effective yeah doesn't no short for retirement with god and through the great sweetness of contemplation even the need of bodily refreshment was forgotten they renounced all riches Dignities, honors, friends, kinsmen. They desired nothing from the world. They ate the bare necessaries of life. They were unwilling to minister to the body, even in necessity. Thus they were poor in earthly things, but rich above measure in grace and virtue. It doesn't? Yeah, here again, that, that's a thing that's been often misinterpreted by... Um, depriving the body in order to be superior he's just saying no you got more important business than than, than uh, laboring and paying attention to the body you know 
that's like Jesus was saying, consider the lilies of the field, they neither toil nor spin. Though poor to the outer eye, within they were filled with grace and heavenly benedictions. They were strangers to the world, but unto God they were as kinsmen and friends. They seemed unto themselves as of no reputation, and in the world's eye contemptible. But in the sight of God they were precious and beloved. They stood fast in true humility. They lived in simple obedience. They walked in love and patience. And thus they waxed strong in spirit and obtained great favor before God. To all religious men they were given as an example, and they ought more to provoke us into good livings than the number of the lukewarm tempteth to carelessness of life. Oh, how great was the love of all religious persons at the beginning of this sacred institution! Oh, what devoutness of prayer! What rivalry in holiness! What strict discipline was observed! What reverence and obedience under the rule of the Master showed they in all things! The traces of them that remain until now testify that they were truly holy and perfect men, who, fighting so bravely, trod the world underfoot. Now a man is counted great, if only he be not a transgressor, and if he can only endure with patience what he hath undertaken. Oh, the coldness and negligence of our times, that we so... Hey, Buzz? No. ...quickly decline from the former love, and it has become a weariness to live because of sloth and lukewarmness. May progress in holiness not wholly fall asleep in thee, who many times hast seen so many examples of devout men. Chapter 19 of the Exercises of a Religious Man Life of a Christian ought to be adorned with all virtues, that he may be inwardly what he outwardly appeareth unto men. And verily, it should be yet better within than without, for God is a discerner of our heart, whom we must reverence with all our hearts wheresoever we are, and walk pure in his presence, as do the angels. We ought daily to renew our vows, yes, and to kindle our hearts to zeal, as... It was it. So he, that's another way of saying that God notices our software, not our behavior. Yeah, what, what did he say? No, but what did he say? What did he say? I didn't catch it. what's within not not the exterior yeah. I forget how he said it okay. if each day were the first day of our conversion and to say help me O God in my great resolutions and in thy holy service and grant that this day I may make a good beginning for hitherto I have done nothing according to our resolution so is the rate of our progress and much diligence is needful for him who would make good progress. For if he who resolveth bravely oftentimes falleth short, how shall it be with him who resolveth rarely or feebly? But manifold causes bring about abandonment of our resolution, yet a trivial omission of holy exercises can hardly be made without some loss to us. The resolution of the righteous dependeth more upon the grace of God than upon their own wisdom. For in him they always put their trust, whatsoever they take in hand. For man proposeth, but God disposeth, and the way of a man is not in himself. It does? Yeah, I didn't... I didn't follow all of that. Are you saying that really God's in control of everything? Yeah, that basically what he's saying is... That the flow is responsible. Mm. Yeah, that's it. No. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23. If a holy exercise be sometimes omitted for the sake of some act of piety or of some brotherly kindness, it can mm -hmm. easily be taken up afterwards. 
But if it be neglected through distaste or slothfulness, then it is sinful, and the mischief will be felt. Strive as earnestly as we may, we shall still fall short in many things. Always should some distinct resolution be made by us, and most of all, we must strive against those sins which most easily beset us. Both our outer and inner life should be straightly examined and ruled by us, because both have to do with our progress. Yeah, well, again, it sounds like my broken record, but he's saying we need to be always willing to look at our own external, our behavior, and our internal world, our, our, our perspective on life, our software. And we need to be constantly aware of that. If thou canst not be always examining thyself, thou canst at certain seasons, and at least twice in the day, at evening and at morning. In the morning make thy resolves, <laughs> and in the evening inquire into thy life how thou hast sped today. Who does that? He's saying you can't be you can't be examining everything you do, but you do do need to take time out in the morning and the in the evening to to to, to check out your behavior during your software. Mm -hmm. Yeah, does it? No. Word, deed, and thought. For in these ways thou hast often, perchance, offended God and thy neighbour. Gird up thy loins like a man against the assaults of the devil. Bridle thine appetite, and thou wilt soon be able to bridle every inclination of the flesh. Be thou never without something to do, be reading, or writing, or praying, or meditating, or doing something that is useful to the community. Bodily exercises, however, must be undertaken with discretion, nor are they to be used by all alike. The duties which are not common to all no must not be done openly, but are safest. In other words, there are no formulas or strategies. See, I wanted to, before we end tonight, I wanted to, to celebrate um, the quality of your presence and participation these last three days. Mm. It's just uh, profoundly different than it was a few days before that. So mm. I wanted to celebrate that with you. Mm, thanks. Yeah, it doesn't. You must you must have been doing what he was saying is looking at your own software I don't know but any for whatever I just wanted to celebrate that I guess should I say thank you or is that taking credit well thank you is is what we would normally do and say well I'm glad to hear that it would probably be a less a, a less personal thing. But, but, I, but I feel like saying thank you might be even less personal because it's just more natural in our society so it doesn't cause so much attention. Yeah, that's true. See, in, in, in the normal setting, that would be the most appropriate thing, yes. But you said, like, I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear that it would be more celebratory as opposed yeah. to self-declaratory. Yeah, that would be celebrating. Yeah, does it? Mutual, it'd be a mutual celebration. Yeah. Hey, that's about enough for tonight. All right. All right. Okay. Later. Oh, okay, we're gonna.